It's difficult to eat clean, especially while living a life on the go. Most of us fail to get the nutrition our bodies need on a daily basis to function at a high level. If you've ever been too busy to eat a proper meal, Live Fuel Nutrition is for you. Live Fuel Nutrition products combines exotic superfoods and plant-based nutrients that put back what's missing from your regular diet. These essential shakes and recovery formulas deliver the perfect combination of flavor, nutrition, and convenience as the ultimate one-stop solution for fueling your daily wellness routine. Put simply, it's fuel for life. Use our personalized Life Fuel link either in the description or on our social media platforms to try out the Essential Shake and other products from our partners over at Life Fuel. Use the promo code all caps AZ Small Bowl to get 10% off your order so you can start living your fullest every day. What is up, Arizona high school basketball fanatics? Welcome back to the Arizona Small Ball Podcast, where we discuss one of the hidden gems in Arizona, small school basketball. Here we talk about everything in the small ball scene. We cover scores, coaches, teams, and players. As coaches in the Valley, we understand that these teams don't get enough attention, and our biggest goal is to change that. We're here to keep you guys updated on everything small ball and ignore everything else because Honestly, Arizona Small Ball is just better than everything else. On our show, these guys are the stars. It is Monday, February 7th. Reyes is not here with me, as always, which is kind of a weird thing. I, this is only the second pod that I've done by myself. I'm actually starting it by myself, but we got a big treat for you guys. We got Coach Stan from Sabino hopping on at the end of the show. Uh, Reyes is off playing in a tournament right now on the res. So, Reyes, I hope you lose, man, because you're bailing on me on the pod right here. We always say we got to do it for the pod, and Reyes isn't even here for it. Got to go back on that. One of the things that I wanted to talk about, because this last week was crazy. It was loaded in Arizona Small Bowl. There's a lot going on here. One of the things I wanted to talk about was Phoenix Christian versus NFL yet. We really wanted to, to go to this game. Reyes actually ended up going to this. He went Because we wanted to see Chris Floyd, the state leader in scoring, at 38.7 points per game. The kid's been on fire lately. Last week we talked about it, but he had about three 40-point games in a row, which is not easy to do. It was a little bit different against Phoenix Christian. Phoenix Christian came out with a very good game plan. They threw a bunch of junk at him. I think they threw a triangle and two, maybe a diamond and one. They smothered Chris Floyd as best as they could, and Chris Floyd had a really difficult time getting into a groove and into a rhythm. Phoenix Christian as a legitimate contender okay if you do not know that yet what are you even doing man you got to listen to the pod and tune in more phoenix christian is loaded with talent they're tough their guards are really good and i mean right now they're sitting at nine and four they ended up beating nfl yet they beat them pretty good phoenix christian is sitting at nine and four they're number three in the metro the most exciting part about all this they get another shot at scottsdale tonight and this game is actually at home. So the computers, I was looking at Max Preps because I love to see what the computers say about the rankings. The computers have Phoenix Christian winning 63 over Scottsdale Christian 54. That is, you got nine point win, if my math is right, which my math is usually terrible. But right now the computers have Phoenix Christian winning over Scottsdale Christian. 
And I kind of actually like this. I don't have them winning by that much. I think it's going to be about a three-point game. So I'll say Phoenix Christian 63, Scottsdale Christian 60. The reason I like this, I think in the last game, Phoenix Christian was at Scottsdale. I think Phoenix Christians kind of smell blood in the water. It was a very close game. I think it was about a five, six-point game with about five minutes left in the fourth quarter. These guards are good. And I think they're going to be able to make the adjustments that they need to to come on top of Scottsdale. But that's going to be a really good game to watch tonight at home. Reyes isn't on the pod with me, but I think Reyes might be going to that game. So Reyes pulls up. Give him a hard time for not being on the pod today. Another thing we wanted to talk about that we want to talk about, that I want to talk about, the 3A North. The 3A North is getting extremely interesting. Okay, if you have tuned into our episodes in the past, we have previously believed that it's a two-man race between Tuba City and Monument Valley. That's not the case right now. Chin Lee is really making a na- is making some noise in the 3A North, and it's shaking things up a little bit. Chin Lee has wins over Sholo. They beat Page both times. Wendell Rock, St. John's, Alchesay, Tuba City. This team has not lost, I think, since the very beginning of January. So they're rolling right now. Here's, here's a crazy thing about these res games, okay? Like, they come really close and down to the wire. And it's they're, almost, they're getting closer now that it's later into the season when these teams are seeing each other a second time, at least for the most part. I got to watch Monument Valley, or Tuba City at Monument Valley, earlier this week. And, man, that came literally came down to a game winner at the buzzer. Number five, Andrew Shepard got the ball, took it the length of the court within, like, three seconds and hit a pull-up jumper at the free throw line to win. I think it was 68 to 66 or maybe 70 to 68, but they ended up winning by two. It was a great shot. It was actually kind of unenthusiastic. He made the shot, and it was almost like nobody reacted at first, and then everybody went crazy. But they ended up winning by two over Tuba City, which was a huge win for them. Here's the crazy thing. And for those of you who might not know this, it's important to note, the 3A, there's not a lot of 3A teams or 3A regions that are doing a region tournament. The 3A North, you can't miss out on that. It's one of the the best region tournaments that there is out there. The 3A North tournament is going to be wild, and here's why. The two teams in the champion that make it to the championship game in the 3A North tournament get an automatic bid to the playoffs. In my notes, I just have an eye emoji because that's, that's pretty crazy. That makes the region tournament extremely interesting because I honestly, aside from, you know, obviously the top two teams in every region get an automatic bid to the playoffs. Honestly, I don't know who else is going to actually make it to the championship game because it could be anybody. I mean, Window Rock, if you look at the region standings for the 3A North, these teams are kind of beating each other up right now. Even teams, with the exception of Alchese, every team is kind of competing in their own respective way. So it's going to be interesting to see coaches I know and players as well. You guys are probably like me. Whenever the rankings come out, I look, and I always think if the season ended today, who would we play or what would the bracket look like? The tough thing with the 3A North tournament is, you know, the top two teams will get an automatic bid. I could see a real scenario where maybe there's two other teams that make it to the championship game or at least one other team. So the 3A North will potentially send three teams. So that'll shake things up a little bit. The 3A North is getting pretty interesting to watch because of that. Moving to the 1A, I will say, I do not like doing this without Reyes. I, I miss the, 
I miss the rat a tat. I feel like right now it's all rat and no tat, but that's okay. We always say we got to do it for the pod. Moving over to the 1A, you got Mojave Accelerated versus North Valley Christian. And this was a, I was really excited about this game. All the way, if you throw it back to our first pod of this season, me and Reyes hyped this game up a ton because it's literally, if you, I mean, even the casual Arizona small ball fan would know this. This is a finals rematch from last year. Mojave Accelerated handles their business 81 to 55 over North Valley Christian. Here's the thing. Mojave Accelerated is one of the few teams in Arizona small ball that has never lost yet. I think right now they're 18 and 0. They're still led by Honiger. He's their best player, at least their best offensively talented player. I mean, he's just a great scorer. They're a lot more balanced this year, though. That's one of the things that I've noticed. If you look at their scores, I mean, last year, Honiger was averaging about 21 points a game. This year, he's down a little bit, but you see a couple other players that are up and they're able to produce, which, in my opinion, is going to make Mojave Accelerated a lot more dangerous moving forward into the playoffs. Here's a very interesting thing that will be it's, – it's important to note from Mojave Accelerated. Josh Neal, from what I understand, has a torn ACL, and he is out for the rest of the season. That might be wrong. Like I should say unconfirmed, but that might be wrong. But that's different because here's the thing. If Mojave Accelerated has Josh Neal, in my opinion, this is my unbiased opinion, Mojave Accelerated has a lot more athleticism and size compared to most of the 1A. If you take Josh Neal out of that equation, they're a little bit more evened out. I still think that Mojave Accelerated has a lot more size, but you take him out, they're a lot more evened out with the rest of the 1A. It, important to note as well, Mojave Accelerated opened up their region tournament with a big win over my fighting frog, Salome. Freaking love you guys. Love that squad. They ended up falling short. Tyson Banks, the center for Mojave Accelerated, had a huge game. He had 17 and 10. He's, I mean, he's playing tough. The thing I'm trying to say, even if Mojave Accelerated does not have Josh Neal, they're still going to have players that can step up and produce, make a big impact. Tyson Banks is one of them. Coach Neal highlighted Tyson Banks at the beginning of the season that he really put a lot of work in the weight room this offseason. Definitely paying off, as you can see here, against this win with North Valley. Probably felt really sweet for Mojave Accelerated for that. You know, I've never been in a championship game, like a state title game, but I would imagine that you lose to that team and you play against them in that following season. I can't imagine getting more hyped up for a game because you want to get some revenge on that. Another important thing to note is we're, I'm recording this on Saturday, so we don't know the outcome of this game, but Mojave Accelerated plays against North Valley in the region championship tonight. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Maybe North Valley can compete a little bit better in that, but we'll see with it. Another game that I wanted to highlight was a really great matchup with some crossover between the 2A and the 3A, Yuma Catholic at Santan Charter. This is like a five-point game the whole way through. Santan Charter competed extremely well. We've mentioned Santan Charter quite a bit here on the pod, but this team plays like dogs. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie, though. Things got really heated in this game, and things got a little bit out of hand. I just want to say this, because uh, I'm not going to say everything about what happened, but, but refs need to tighten things up, man. I've noticed this in a couple areas. That kind of a long story short, one of the fans from Yuma Catholic, I think it looked like it was like a JVK, it looked like a student from Yuma Catholic, started clapping at one of the kids 
that was playing in the game from Santan Charter. The ref is standing right there, and the ref didn't do anything to stop it. This kid was walking towards the court, getting onto the sideline. Ref didn't do anything to stop it. The players, the coaches, the the stands, from what I could see, the fans were pointing at the ref like, hey, do something about this. He didn't really do anything. It started to escalate. You have a kid from Santan Charter who said something. You have It just started getting more out of hand. And then one of the kids, would just say long story short, you had a bunch of kids kind of leave the court and enter into the area where the fans were at. And you had a lot of people just kind of shove in there and try to break up this little fight that started to break out. And it was, it was bad. It wasn't a good watch. It wasn't a good thing. I was watching it on Instagram Live. And, you know, the video cut out. But I do know that there are some suspensions that happened because of Santan Charter and, and the kid leaving the court and going into the fan or going into the sideline. Here's the thing, though. And I got to talk a little bit with uh, the head coach from Santan Charter. that He was disappointed about his kids and, you know, like making those choices. And I agree. If that was my kid, I would say the same thing. But here's the thing. And, and you coaches, you know this. One of the worst things in a game is when things are starting to get out of hand and a referee doesn't do anything about it, or the referee doesn't give a technical, the referee just kind of, you know, says for something to stop or whatever. You, you got kids being really physical. You got kids being overly physical. You've got fans yelling things at the players that are inappropriate, and it starts to get out of hand. If the refs don't do anything about it, it puts kids in a really difficult situation to make the right choice. And I feel like that's what happened here. I mean, shoot. I, I've noticed this in a couple of games that we've played in where just the other night we're playing in a game and excuse my language, but the, the student section, when one of our kids missed a free throw yelled, Oh, you stupid. It is awful. You know? And I can't believe that the kids that the fans said that we all looked at each other and we're like, did they really just say what I think they said? The referee needs to, we got to do something about it. You know, you, you got to address it. You have to talk to the AD, whatever it is. You need to address situations like that because when you don't address them, tensions get high and it puts kids in a difficult situation to make the right choice. So Santan Charter did have some kids that were suspended. I don't know about Yuma Catholic, but I know a lot of kids jumped in at the end just to try to separate what was happening. That's not the only thing I want to say about Santan Charter. They're a great squad. They pressure in the full court. They Their on-ball defense is stellar. They have amazing just instincts. Like, they're, they're just they're, – they're a tough squad. They play really hard. They have a lot of really young kids as well, which bodes well for them in the future. Here's something that I've noticed about Santan Charter, if you're playing against them, is you have to be ready for full court, man. You got to be ready for full court ball pressure. If you can handle that, you're going to be in decent shape and you'll be able to compete with them. Santan Charter thrives off of that. And it really slows them down if they can't turn people over in their full court. It really changes how they play because that's really how they want to play. So for Santan Charter, it's all about pressure. I know that one of their kids is gone. I think it's Jair. He's gone for the rest of the season because of allegations with him, with this whole incident that happened. So that's unfortunate for him. But Santan Charter is still loaded. I mean, if you're following this, if you're following their scores, they played Scottsdale to a very close game the other night. They played Yuma Catholic to an extremely close game here. If this doesn't happen, I mean, it's within five like the whole time. So they're going to have a shot to win at the end. But that was a really interesting game. Refs, if you're listening to this, if a kid is fouling and he's being aggressive, 
especially if you can sense the, that tensions are getting higher, you got to make the call. You got to do something to stop it because if not, you put kids in a tough position. Okay, so let's talk about the 3A South Central really quick. The 3A South Central is a straight dogfight every single night. But the best matchups by far have been between Thatcher and Coolidge. The first time they met, Coolidge won 65-60 in overtime. Second time, not much change. Coolidge wins in overtime, 61-57. to Brad Curtis out of Thatcher is for real, folks. He had 38 points in this tough overtime loss to Coolidge. The 3A South Central could potentially, and this is really interesting to follow, the 3A South Central could potentially send five teams to the playoffs with the exception of Coolidge. They're all hanging around that 11 to 20 seed. So that's going to be a tough matchup for anybody in the first round, second round, wherever they get. But that's definitely something worth following. Valley Christian has gotten its revenge in stunning fashion over ALA Gilbert North and over Eastmart. Caleb Shaw is for real, folks. Caleb Shaw had 53 in their win over Eastmark. If this shows us anything, it's that honestly, Valley does a great job with adjustments and with scouting. The difference between the first and second meeting of ALA Gilbert North and Eastmarks is glaring. I mean, the, the adjustments that they made, the point differential, I'm shocked at it, but it shows some really good adjustments on their end. Caleb Shaw goes off for 53 and a huge win over Eastmark. And then also, I got to say this, this is kind of developing, but Pima and Scottsdale. Pima gets a huge win over Scottsdale Christian. They join Valley as the only teams that have bested SCA in PowerPoint play. There wasn't really, you know, I was watching the game. There wasn't any real type of special game plan. You know, for those of you listening, you're probably thinking like, hey, I wonder if, if they took Garrison Sherman away, or if they did a, a triangle and two or, or a diamond and one or boxing one. Was there really any type of special game plan? Pima just played really hard and were extremely physical with Scottsdale. They bump cutters really well and able to really disrupt a lot of Scottsdale sets. I will say this too about Pima. They're super patient in the half court. Their offense involves so much cutting, so much screening, so much dribble drive, so many seals. It's just a lot that you have to deal with and they run it. They're actually pretty patient with it. Pierce Ashby on Pima had like the game of his life. This kid could not miss a shot, and his shot's a little unconventional, but it was going down. As a team, Pima also shot the ball amazing, which really helped them in this game. Scottsdale Christian had some really tough calls against him. There was one call in the fourth. Maybe it was, like, late in the fourth. Garrison Sherman shooting a free throw. I think it was Garrison Sherman. It might have been somebody else. But Scottsdale Christian shooting a free throw, and the ref is on the other side of the court. He's like a half court. He calls a lane violation on the kid that's shooting. And you can't can even see it. He's all the way on the other side of the court. It's not even his call. Sorry, that's one of my least favorite things. When refs make a call and it's not their call to make. Either way, Scottsdale Christian, they need to find a way. As watching this game, something that's kind of glaring with Scottsdale Christian is they need to find a way to get their supporting cast playing with some more confidence. Right now, other than Fan and Sherman, Help is kind of spotty. We used to work on this in college at practice and put the two best players on the scout team and force the other players to be aggressive and make plays. And it worked pretty well. Pima will win out the rest of the season. They put themselves in a great position for the postseason. This is a really fun game to watch. Huge shout out to Pima for pulling off this win. Scottsdale is going to be able to rebound 
And they still got some time to get their supporting cast with some more confidence and playing really hard. The last thing I wanted to talk about is just the 3A South. The 3A South is wild right now, okay? Uh, one of the games that I watched this past week that was awesome to watch is Pushridge at Palo Verde Magnet. The thing that's so interesting about the 3A South, and I posted this on Twitter, is, you know, previously we thought it was a two-man race, two race between Pushridge and Sabino. Now it's officially a three-man race. You got Pushridge, you have Sabino, and Palo Verde as well because Palo Verde ended up winning 73 to 66 over Pushridge, and this put them in the position for a potential playoff berth. Now, right now, if you look at Palo Verde and you look at Pushridge and Sabino and their whole region, it's wild because they're all three of these squads are good. In my opinion, I think they're all top. I mean, some of them, I think Sabino's a top 10 team. I think Pushridge is a top 10 team. I think that on top of that, Palo Verde is probably like a top 15 squad. I mean, they're all really good. And they're all on the playoff bubble. The reason why this is wild is the top two of every region get an automatic bid for the playoffs. Top two. With Palo Verde beating Pushridge, it don't matter what their ranking is, but if they beat when they beat Pushridge, Pushridge later on in the week lost to Sabino. If Palo Verde can find a way to beat Sabino, or if I mean they can move into second place, they're in. If Pushridge loses to Sabino, then that puts it into a really tricky spot. So this playoff race is really worth watching. You need to follow these games because these three teams, really mostly Palo Verde and Pushridge at this point, are fighting for their playoff hopes. Right now, Pushridge is good no matter what their ranking is. As long as they can stay in that second seed spot in their region, they're going to be fine. But here comes Palo Verde. So it's going to be an interesting week to watch that. Uh, let me say this about Palo Verde Magnet, because in their win over Pushridge, which is a great squad, Antonio Martinez is one of my favorite players in Arizona small ball. And I cannot believe that it's taken me this long to kind of figure him out. This kid in this win had 21, three rebounds and three assists. The kid is a stud. He kind of reminds me, and this is a very flattering comparison. He kind of reminds me of Paul Pierce. The thing about Antonio Martinez is he's not going to blow you away with being extremely quick. He's not crazy athletic, but he's very skilled and he's got the footwork to get to exactly where he wants to on the court. He can shoot the ball as well, whether it's a set shot or off the dribble. Hey, the kid's a stud. He kind of reminds me of Paul Pierce because he could get to wherever he wants, even though he wasn't like this lightning quick athlete. My favorite play of this game was, I forget at what point it was. I think it was towards the end of the fourth. But you have Antonio Martinez dribbling up at the top of the key. Pushridge sent two kids to double him. He keeps his dribble alive. He does some fakes. He gets out of it and just finds a wide-open kid right underneath the rim for a layup, and they end up going up a little bit more. He's just a really great – he's a great guard. And it's funny because if you watch film on him even, he's one of those kids where he's much better in person than if you saw him on film. The kid's a stud. If you're playing against Palo Verde Magnet, you got to watch out for it. Things get really interesting for Palo Verde this week, though. They play Sabino. Like I said before, they need to beat Sabino, and Sabino needs to beat Pushridge, and Palo Verde's in. If that doesn't happen, then things are going to get kind of interesting. The computers have Sabino 67, Palo Verde 64. This game's going to be a really, really good one. It's going to be close no matter what. Because both teams are really, really competitive. 
especially when you have a team like Palo Verde that's playing for a playoff spot. They understand that. The kids understand that. They're going to come ready to go. In my opinion, this is the game of the week for me. I can't wait to tune into it. We're going to keep it in the 3A South because as awesome as the 3A South race is, it's not as awesome as Coach Tan from Sabino. Okay, I love Coach Tan. He is the bomb. He's coming on the show next. We wanted to hear his thoughts about the 3A South and just his team and the overall rankings and, you know, see him pop off some rounds. We might have to use the bleep button again. I don't know. I'm not sure. He's coming up next. But first, check this out. Most people look around the top 10 for a team that can contend for a state title. And most years, it's fair. You know, it's fair to look for a team that contend for the state title in the top 10. But this year, there's a team that's caught our attention that might be the best team sitting outside the top 20 since I've been coaching in Arizona. Sabino has an overall record of 12 and three. If you exclude tournament play, they haven't lost to any teams in their conference. They have the second leading score in the 3A in Weston Haybig. And we're just pumped to have Coach Obi Tan on the show. What up, Coach? And Weston second now, but he's he had 30 last night, so he's probably first now. Hey, there you <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, Coach? Hey, I'm good, man. Thanks for taking some time out here to hop on the pod. I just wanted to start off by highlighting some of your kids or letting you spotlight some of your kids because you got some dogs over there in Sabina. We watched you guys play in the fall, and I was I messaged you even before the season started. I was super impressed with how your kids play. So tell, I know it's more than just these two kids, but tell us about Weston Haybig and Travis Reynolds because those kids are some studs, man. Let's see. Well, I've, I've told people for two years Weston Haybig was coming. He might be the best score Sabino's ever had, um, at least since I've been in Arizona. I don't know. I, I know the Rustans have some pretty good scores that have been there um, before I moved to Arizona, but since I've been there, they, they've had pretty good good players Weston is by far the best one I've seen um, not just because he plays for me because he was good before I got there I just pushed him in, in different ways to make him excel and accept his role um, he's a junior which means the teams that are getting torched this year be prepared for it next year um, <laughs> this morning he called me he's, he's going to a shoot machine for two hours today he's just he's just a machine Travis Reynolds has transferred Transform his nickname this year was Transformer. Have you seen Travis play last year? He was a 6'5, 260 pound guy, people stuck in the middle. If you see him this year, he's a 6'6, lean muscle machine, two way player. I mean, he could play the post, he has guard skills. If you don't believe me, go ask Tanker Verde about last night. He was running a point, crossing people over, hitting spin moves. Uh, a 20 point performance, which probably should have been 30. And those coaches are, uh, that aren't on his recruit trail for those NAIAs, Division twos, Division threes, you're missing out on the special talent because he can develop into one of, you know, if you want him to be a guard, he can develop into being a, a two or a three. And if you need him to be a four, you can play the three or the four. Um, we don't even play him at center, even though he's our tallest guy. He's never jumped ball for us. Um, we put him in a post because he's just too big and strong for anybody else down there but I feel comfortable with him being on the wing at all times. When we saw you guys playing in the fall, we laughed. I looked at me and the other coaches and we were like, Hey, how old do you think that kid is? Cause man, he looks great. <laughs> Guy looks like he's older than me, man. Which, which is funny. Cause he just turned 18, but he always crying. Oh, I'm a grown man coach. I'm a grown man since I've met him. And he went, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story about Travis. 
the day I, I took the job at Sabino or the week that I took the job at Sabino, we had workouts that week. So the first day I came, I knew I had a 6'6 kid that could play. But what I didn't realize was Travis couldn't do a push-up. Like he couldn't lift his own body weight. At, I mean, he was 260. He hated anything that we did. And if you ever get a chance to talk to my players, ask them about circuits. It's probably the most grueling thing to do. But if, if you ask him the results of it, he's, he's proof that it works. Um, because now he's bench pressing, uh, what did he say, 290. It was his max the other day. I mean, he, he loves push-ups now. I mean, if you see his body now from a picture from last year, it, it's like Fat Albert turned into the cool Steve Urkel. <laughs> I love and that so comparison. When, when, when you see a kid just transform his body, because the game has always been there. But he's always been lazy. Nobody's ever pushed him. They just made him be the big kid that stands in the middle. And he couldn't stand me when I got to Sabino because I pushed him and I pushed him every day. Come on, you ain't working hard enough. And still now I push him where he whines and he cries. But now it's, uh, all right, coach, I got you. As opposed to, I want to quit. I can't stand you, you know, because the fruits of his labor are starting to show and teams that we play against are really starting to feel it. Um, I think those two kids have led us and, and as far as the offensive part of our team. But like to talk about my overall team, my point guard is probably the best pure point guard in Tucson. Um, I think the kid from Julian who plays for us with Apex will give him some go. But Tejan Cook, he's averaging seven points, seven assists, seven rebounds, seven steals and like two or three blocks. So he's like our Draymond Green. He's not going to be big on people's scoreboard or you know register in, in the headlines, but other guards feel him. Push Ridge has a kid that averages 23, 24 points a game, and, and, and I love the kid. I think he can shoot his butt off. He scored zero field goals against us in our first matchup. You know, I did an interview with AZ Central, uh, not AZ Central, I did it with All Sports Tucson. And I said, they couldn't run from us. And I got teased a little bit, say, oh, you got, you're throwing shots. They're going to have some. I, I just tell people what I see. I watch basketball a lot. I study it. Um, I've been blessed enough to train professionals. And I really understand the game of basketball. So I try to help kids all over the state, this state, Arkansas, Illinois, Texas. If it's a kid that I think could play and could use some help, I'm going to try to help them. But when I tell you, something I stand by what I say and you know our first game with them was a reflection of exactly what I said and it comes to those three guys and then you know we rounded off with our other guard Luke Fly, who is the only four year he's the only kid at Sabino right now that's played basketball for four years everybody he went he came into school with as a freshman no one else made it to their senior year except for him Travis is a transfer Tejan is a transfer um, Weston and Corbin are juniors. And, you know, I'll say this now, Corbin Jessup next year will be everything that Travis is and more this year. And if you don't believe me, just go watch him. If you, if you ever, if you, when you go back and watch tapes on us, watch number 13. He rebounds his butt off. He's really just understanding that he can go score the basketball. Once it clicks, that he's going to average 20 and 12 next year. You know, because he's going to put in the work and, and we demand that. 
going back to what you said about Travis and man, all those kids, I mean, I've watched them play. You guys got a great squad. I've probably watched you guys about four times, five times this season. Something that has really jumped out at me is how you hold your kids accountable. I mean, you, you mentioned about Travis that you're on him and you're pushing him. I can see that coach. And I mean, for me watching from the outside, it's paying off a lot. I mean, your kids have improved a ton, you know? One of the biggest things for me as, as a coach is high school basketball is great. Our goal is like every other team, we want to win a state championship. But my job as a coach isn't to win a state championship. That's the team's work. That's the reward you get. My job as a coach is to mold young men and to give them the best high school experience that they can have. And that doesn't mean just basketball stuff. That means travel. That means dinners. That means teaching them how to hold themselves accountable. You know, like I said, Travis can do a push-up. Well, now it's on you. You know, we spent half of our COVID time. The minute school got out, we went to a personal trainer, and he worked with them on lifting weights for 10 weeks. We spent 10 weeks with a personal trainer, and he, all we did was lift weights three times, three times a week. Uh, and, and I'll say this, some kids that you might have seen this summer or fall, particularly one kid, Vernon Henry, who's now playing on the Tucson Bowls. If we had Vernon, I, if we had Vernon, there would be no 3A basketball competition this year. You're, you're taking the and whole it, thing? Yeah. It, it, firstly, you've seen Vernon play. That's the thick, stocky kid that oh, led our good, press. man. And we... We didn't lose a game in the fall. And it was because him and Tejan on defense are good luck. You know, I say it's easy to sit in the storm. You just hide in that storm because you have those two and then you have Weston who's endless energy running around. And then you have Luke who's endless energy running around. And then I could just pick, I mean, Travis is obviously the, the player now. He didn't play much. He had Corbin, and it was our other big guy, Donnie, who's not playing a lot for us now because Travis is playing so well. It's not that he's doing anything wrong. It's just it's hard to take a kid out the game when you're averaging 20 and 12 in your last seven games. It's, it's just one of those things. So having talent for the level that we play at has been a plus for us, but we have things that we have to accomplish on our side. So when you say I hold them accountable, it, you can't slack a minute. You can't slack for a second with us because we pressure we pressure even when we're not pressing but put pressure on you you no team should be able to run their offense against us you got to go do something else we're going to take away your best two players and if your third player can't get you 40 points you can't beat us mm. we stay out of foul trouble <laughs> and that, that's the hard thing with playing so aggressive but it seems like you guys have done a great job with that and it's helped you guys have a great season so far and you guys have had some, i mean honestly of the of the teams that I've seen in the 3A, you guys are playing up the most. I mean, you and Pushridge both play up a ton. So you've had some tough games this season. What's probably been your toughest game so far this season? Our toughest game? The ones we played without Tejan. Um, what's been the best team we played this year? I should have said besides Catalina. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to stay away from that. <laughs> uh, I Really good, Marcos. D. I can't. I, I never get their. their oh, their, Marcos DNAs or something like that. Yeah, yeah. What you're talking about. We played them in um in the Casa Grand Tournament, and they were good. They beat us uh, handily, 
And I think for us, that was like our turning point. Uh, they were a good team, but I think they've lost some players lately because they've been they've been down. But you know, they were good. When it was good, I dropped the ball. Sienna, I'm gonna stand on this. Without our starters, the momentum changed, and we never, we, you know, at that point, we didn't know how to win. And so we've been learning as we've been going, you know, and so my coach said it uh, against Pushridge with all the stuff that was happening, even at the beginning of the season, if that stuff happened, we would have folded. Mm. We would have let our emotions get the best of us. So there's growth in, in that area, which is to me going to help us a long way once we get to the state playoffs. And we talked about this before we even started recording, but you know, whoever you see in that first round, it's going to be a really tough matchup, no matter where you fall in the rankings. I want you to know, coach, I had your back. After that first opening season tournament, I was talking to a coach and they said, man, look at Sabino. They lost to like these two few teams or whatever. You know, they're not going to be as good as everybody thought. And I was like, hey, they didn't have their full squad then, you know, so I had your back on that. You guys, I feel like the only games that you've lost I mean, like what you said, you've been missing people, you know? So, I mean, you guys have had a great season. And, I mean, I think it's super fun as a coach when you recognize that your team is growing. And when you, like what you said, you know, if that would have happened earlier in the season, we probably would have lost that game. See your kids getting better. I mean, there's not much that's every better about game, that. Every game we lost in our first six losses, we had a double-digit lead. Oh, shoot. Every game in that tournament, uh, Australia, uh, Triumph, Highland, we had a double-digit lead. What we didn't have was a point guard to control the tempo of the game. And, and, the, and, and no knock on Weston or Luke, but at that point, they had never been in that position where they had to manage a basketball game. And you know, so I tell people, yeah, we took our lot. We were one and six. We're 15 and eight. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that speaks for itself. Yeah, you guys uh, are rolling, man. Yeah, just like you said, so, like it just speaks for itself. Whoever said, I said, look at Sabino, come play us. Put us on their schedule and, and see if we're the team they think we are. And then, uh, you know. How about this? We, I'll tag you on Twitter. That'll be good. <laughs> we, we play. And I, when I when I speak on Twitter, it's not to really call nobody out or, or or like I'm supportive of all coaches and all programs, but I'm honest, and you know, and I and I don't say things to knock programs, but if you look at how they rank us right now, we beat what is it Arizona? The one game we won in that time without was Arizona College Prep who with a losing record right now is still in front of us in the rankings. We beat them. We were up by 50 at one point, and I called the dogs off. Knock against them. I think they, they, they run a good program. They've obviously had some good wins this year. When we're beating Saguaro, who's top five, we're playing in games against Buena where it's tight the whole game, and they're number one in 5A. You know, we – we, I mean, we again, we should have beat Sienega, who was at one point number one. It's like, if you look at all, everybody we've lost to, is a playoff team, top 10 playoff team in their last levels, 5A, 4A, whatever. So when you look at that and then you look at, well, who really wants to come play us in 3A? I, I, and I'll tell you, Valley Christian is good. 
We've seen them in Vegas and they seen us. They're good. Yuma Catholic was like number at the time and they played each other, 40 point win or 30 point win. There has to be some level of balance no matter what kind of system you have. Right. It, you know, I know teams have bad games, but when you play, you know, we, so in Chicago, we, we always say those are the Ida Crown games because Ida Crown is a school that everybody played when they, they you know, that feel good victory. Well, 3A has a million of those as a school. And, and I ran that program and I built that program up. People feel like, oh, that coach had Sabino is, he ran up the score on those kids and he didn't let them score. And he's so mean. And what people don't realize, we didn't shoot a shot in the fourth quarter and decide what product people put on the court. But I have to prepare my guys for what's bigger for us. So the first quarter, we played like any other team. Except for at, four, at the four-minute mark, we brought we took the press off. Mm. You know, I heard some, you know, someone say, well, you guys were pressing. No, we weren't. We, we didn't have to press. Like, they missed eight free throws. They had – we didn't trap. We didn't double team. Played a, a one-two-two kind of inside the three-point line defense. I didn't tell my guys not to play defense because I don't believe in that. I'm not going to move out the way and say go score the basketball. But at right. no point did we try to – it was a running clock from halftime. The, the referee asked, can they run a clock from halftime? We had no problem with it. I asked the ref, I asked their AD, what do you guys want me to do? I don't, you know – at this point, I got my JV guys in. Weston Haybig had 45 points in seven minutes. I, he wanted to break the three-point shooting record because he, he literally was nine for ten from the three-point line. And I was like, not against them. Yeah, because he used but to coach the them, first you know. quarter, he yeah, the, the the first quarter he was six for six. And I'm sorry, if a kid gets that hot, I'm not gonna stop them from shooting. I mean, the, the justification is well, it was 76 points. Well, it could have been 200 to zero. <laughs> and then I would have been the bad guy. Yeah, because you like, would have been a bad guy. I, like, I'm that. not but that's what I'm saying. Like with no press and us having to do 10 passes per play in the first quarter, we scored 40. So yeah, that's tough. We gave them mercy. It, we played them again. We had to, we moved our senior night. And then I guess we picked on Tanker Verde because we blew them out on our senior night, but we moved it from Catalina to them to have a better game. We can't care basketball. They don't care what the score is. They just want to play. They want to run our plays. They want to, you know, score the way they're taught. They're not rubbing it in kids' faces. They're not, you know, I say on Twitter because I'm trying to promote athletes going to college. I don't do it to tear down somebody else's program. Or, but when we're ranked 20th and they're trying to figure out, well, coach, we're doing everything that we're supposed to do, then I have to say, look, I don't care where you rank them, but it's going to look real bad, like you said, in the first round. Was somebody play us last year? You know, we lost our we, we lost our point guard during the state playoff. We got ranked 16. We we're better than that. We ended up playing Valley Christian with my point guard. That's a different ball game, you know, because kid they had last year, Jalen Dubois. He was so good. He made five three pointers in the first quarter with somebody in his skin, like we were in his shirt, and he didn't miss. There's not a lot of kids you're going to run across like that, especially at the 3A level. 
Right. So we're gonna play the hand that we dealt. We got four games to win once playoffs start. Well, before I get ahead of myself, we still got to win one more game to clinch our playoff mm-hmm. spot. So right. it got to be Palo Verde this week or Push Ridge. Once we take care of that business, then you know I can start talking playoffs and things like that. Thanks to uh, Palo Verde for being Push Ridge last week. I know, man. The the three A South, it's just an absolute dogfight between you three. I mean, it's just you know. It was funny. We did a we did an episode about this last week, and we talked about how we thought it was a two man race between you guys and Pushridge, and then Palo Verde hops in and just makes things pretty interesting. So it's it's pretty cool, man. Palo Verde's got some some dogs over there too. I don't know if I agree with that statement. You, you said it's a race. <laughs> in your mind, you think you're already ahead, huh? Yeah, we gonna have to beat ourselves talent wise nobody's gonna beat us because again i mean if you double team weston travis is gonna be open luke ply has 34 three-pointers in our region play nine in one game five the next game six the game after that and he's just been steady at like two or three in the last two or three games so if you pay too much attention to one the other one's gonna get you and, and Tejan just is a difference. There's no one that can guard him straight line to straight line, and he's going to make the right basketball play. Mm. So it's not a knock on it. I, I love the kids at Palo Verde. Antonio is, is one of my favorite kids in all of Tucson. I know. Like, I agree with you, man. Like I tell him, in them two hours you play us, we're not giving you nothing. When we played them the first time, he's like, Coach, nobody's ever guarded me like that. We're hounding him. 32 minutes of the game. You're not touching the basketball. He hit two threes, and they were probably the two most miraculous shots he probably ever hit in his life. <laughs> Neither one of them were on balance. He'll tell you, because we're not going to let him breathe, because that's their heart and their soul. It's the same thing with Push Ridge and Ryan. Somebody else is going to have to beat us. And if they're not prepared, because your offense is geared around that one player, because we could gear our offense around Weston if we wanted to, but then we're, we're able to be stopped. We have counters. If you go double team Weston, poor guy down low. If you go double team Travis, and, I, and I'll tell you, there's a kid, Carson Moore, who beginning of the year, he was great for us. He tore his ACL. He is probably our second best shooter outside of Weston. But he'll be back next year. He's a 6'4 junior. He's probably going to grow. His dad's like 6'9. And, and he has a torn ACL. He doesn't, he doesn't have surgery to February 21st, but he's making two, three hundred three-pointers a day. Still, like, he doesn't practice with it. He just goes, sits in a corner. We have a JV kid rebound for him. He's just knocking down shots. Because he's not going to miss the work because he knows what's coming next year. It's, it, it, you know, it's his time. Okay, so so realistically, I'm put you on the hot seat a little bit here. Okay, so realistically, you, know, you talk about the rankings and stuff. If you were in charge of the rankings right now, where are you putting yourself? In three A, I would say top ten. the 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 hard part with three A is they don't give you credit from, and I'll say top ten because we did lose to Coolidge, and I think they're a great team. I think they're coached great. Um, like I said, I know 
I know uh, Valley Christian is really good and, and well coached. Uh, I really like Fountain Hill. I don't, so I'll, I'll say this about Fountain Hill. They have a great coach. They play hard. I don't know. I've, I haven't played them. So I don't know how talented they really are. But playing hard in 3A will get you some wins because oh, there's, for no, sure. there's no real talent. And then you guys are, I mean, I've, I, I've seen limited video, but you're still undefeated and kicking butt. So it's hard not to, you know, yeah, of course, I want to put us at one. And I, I think that'll speak for itself by the end of the year if we're supposed to be there or not. But the reality is, you know, my only problem with most of the, the teams in 3A is they only play 2A and 3A schools. Mm. Or they play really, really bad 4A or 5A schools. I think the top 10, and I don't even want to look at it. for the, Like, I don't even really look at I so, Like, my assistant coach comes in. Our oh, coach, we moved up to 21. Man, I don't care about that. Because at this point, it's like they're going to put us wherever they want to put us. We weren't a 16 seed last year. We're not a 21 seed this year. But if we got four games to win or three games to get to the opportunity to win, I like our chances against anybody in 3A. If you watch, you don't get the just of what our team is because most people see what Weston's averaging 25 or the reason Weston's average is so much higher than everybody else's is because the kid will go off and score 28 and a quarter. And then it's like the rest of the game, everybody else is playing catch up. Like Travis isn't going to, because they're not going to give him the fouls. But when I, I think when playoffs come and they call it even, hopefully he'll get those calls that they're missing right now. But then even then, like I said, as Corbin is learning, as he's learning just to, even just to catch the ball on one or like and rip through and just go down and score that clicks in the next three games. Good luck. He's six, four, he can jump out the gym. He's strong as an ox. He can handle the ball. And then we have shooters everywhere. Mm. You know, even Travis, like I don't mind Travis shooting threes Now I don't want him to do it at a high clip, but one or two a game, it makes your big guy have to come. You're not going to guard him one-on-one. You're not going to sit in the zone on us. And so I like our chances. Taking care of your dogs can be rough. Luckily, your friends over at BarkBox have you covered. Sign up to receive monthly care packages delivered right to your door with food, toys, and treats customized just for your dog. With prices starting at $23 a month and free shipping, now is the time to get started with BarkBox. Use our personalized BarkBox link either in the description or on our social media platforms to get deals, promotions, and more for your favorite pups. And we talked about it before we hopped on the pod, but like whichever team gets you in that first round, I mean, and I'm, I'm being honest, coach, like I watch the amount of games that I watch in a week is stupid. Like I watch so many games and I mean, it's modest you saying that you're at least in the top 10. I mean, you guys are one of the best teams that I've seen in Arizona small ball in the three A. So, I mean, yeah, wherever you guys get matched up to, you're going to be good. I was going to ask you who are the, the 10 best teams that you've seen. I don't know if you got that on or not. 10 best teams that I, in three A. And then the three that you've seen. Well, and 3A that I, the best teams that I see, 
Maybe not best, like, top ten. But, like, what are the best teams that you've seen? Mm. <laughs> uh, Coolidge. Hey, I agree. Christian. I think Coolidge is so good, man. Valley Christian. I'm not sure which. It might be North Gilbert. Yeah, like Gilbert North. They they have the the kid the light skinned kid with the curly hair. Yeah, Dylan Novak. I like I, I like him. I think they're good. Uh, I like I said, Found Hills. I think they they they'll run through a brick wall for their coach. Uh, you guys. I mean, coach, I'm gonna just tell you about Fountain Hills. They are when you see them warm up. We always joke about it. Like when we warm up. We look like a JV squad. We look like we're not very good, you know. On Hills, they don't pass the eye test. That team, like you said, is probably one of the best coach teams that I've seen in the three. I mean, they, they're tough, man. I've seen them at, at Queen Creek this in the fall. And I, I mean, their coach talked for like an hour, and I'm like, man, those kids just play hard. They just believe it. And it ain't, it's not, again, at our level, I'm blessed to have talent. You know, Valley Christian is blessed to have talent. Coolidge is blessed to have talent. But it's about hard work. Like, most of those teams that are in the top is because they, you know, they work harder than the other teams. Kids might be off football players, but, you know, they set hard screens. They, they box out the right way. You know, they catch the ball and they rip through every single time, those sort of things. And so when I, when I think of teams like Fountain Hill, and I want to give Push its props because I think Push is a top 10 team. I don't think it's 10 teams and, and 3A that can really beat them. And and I, honestly, I, I said this to the – I said it to the Push coach. The top three teams in, in our conference, we beat – and you can pick who you want to play who. We beat all three of those teams by 30 points, any one of the teams in 3A South. I watched Chinley play Tuba City. It wasn't good basketball. They play hard and they can shoot. I, I'll tell you, Chinley can shoot the ball. But it's hard to shoot when you can't breathe. Right. <laughs> and just, <laughs> when, when, when there's a guy suffocating you 94 feet for 32 minutes, it's hard to get those shots off. You know? And so that's my opinion. That's, play that's, off your, my that's your unbiased opinion. Not very biased, but... <laughs> <laughs> The playoffs coming, and, and I can be proven wrong. And, you know, we might get one, and, and they might be like, hey, you this injury, and that might be their talk. But the reality is, Coach, I want to be your chalk talk because I want to know you gave me more than what you thought you had inside you to beat us, and you still couldn't. That's when you know your team really bought into what you teach. I love that mindset, man. It's, it's tough. And, and, you know, you're even talking about watching other teams playing. Thinking about the regions, which region do you think is the toughest region to come out of this year? Because there's some good regions. Whatever one Coolidge is in. Whichever one, so the South, that's South Central, I think it is. Thatcher and Florence and, you know, because at the beginning of the year, I think you see my tweet with Florence beat Push. Oh, yeah. I was big on, I, again, I'm still big on on their coach and, um, the third team in the South Central. Who's in third place right now? Yeah. Ailey Ironwood. Yeah. So those three are those are three tough outs, no matter who they play against. 
you know, and I, I just seen Coolidge. I, I congratulated Coach Glasgow today on, you know, them winning in overtime last night, you know, because we played Thatcher in the fall and Tucson in, and and they're a totally different team. They got some football players that came. and I know, man. Toughness. And they just, again, it's one of those teams like Fountain Hills. They just play hard. And the minute you slack it, you think, oh, because they don't pass, as you say, the eye test, they're all over you, Ding you up, running fast. You don't have to be good when you can play defense. You just get fast break layups. <laughs> so it's, it, I think those, those three. But the problem is, again, they're bunching them all up in those rankings. Right. And eventually, they're going to knock people off. Man, and, you know, it's funny, like, looking at that, that region – I think that's probably like in my mind, that's probably like the second toughest region. I think the Metro is probably the toughest, but it's right there. You know, like Coolidge, Thatcher, Ironwood, Florence, Santan, Foothills. I mean, they're all, I mean, those are good squads, you know. They're just going to beat each other up, and they have been, except for Coolidge. Beat Coolidge up. Coolidge has just found a way to win. That's good coaching. Metro's Valley, Christian, <laughs> ALA, Gilbert North, Gilbert Christian, Eastmark, AZ College Prep, Benjamin Franklin. You're nope. not liking that as a type of region? No. Why I is like that? North Valley Christian. Some are about Eastmark, and every time I see them, they're losing. They're not up and down, man. Team, but, like, you know, it, it's just one of those regions I'm, I'm not sold on Gilbert Christian either. Like, I don't get to see them as often. But take the AIA's strength of schedule thing out and go really look at the strength of schedules that they play. I mean, I mean, Coach, they got a pretty tough schedule if you're looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> tough because I'm going to tell you why it's tough for you. You support and you promote all 3A. So you're positive thinking about all all small ball basketball. You're fair. You're fair. That's true. For me, I look at basketball, even for us, like I'm, I'm realistic with us. We're good for where we are. We couldn't play 5A or, or, I mean, we could compete. And that's like with Sabino, that's always been, you know, where, you know, I'll say it and, and the coach that was before me did a great job with Sabino. But they had kids that came to Sabino for basketball. What we're doing is with 90% neighborhood kids. Like, I'm realistic about the levels we play at. I'm used to basketball being at such a high level that, you know, there's great basketball. That's why I, I you know, when I'm done with Sabino, I won't say when that is, but... <laughs> so, uh, like I, I want to coach here. I, I want to coach the type of talent that is here and that can be here, because I think Phoenix is becoming a hotbed for basketball, not just for the kids that are here, because the one thing that that happens here that doesn't happen in Tucson, you have access to get in the gym and for kids to see quality basketball. You know, and then the bigger part is you got parents that want to pay 
as much money as they can for somebody to make their kid good. And the kid don't even like basketball. Right. You know, it, it, it just, it just matters by the level of talent. So I don't want to knock some of those teams you said, but I, I still stand on, I'll take Thatcher and um, is it Ironwood? Yeah. Thatcher, Coolidge, Ironwood. I'll take Coolidge, Thatcher, Ironwood. Anybody not Valley Christian in that region. Okay, that's fair. We'll agree to so disagree. If you, if you look at that, I think Coolidge will beat uh, Gilbert North. Okay. And then Thatcher will beat Eastmark or uh, Gilbert Gilbert you're talking about. Yeah. I love the hot takes. It's great. It's like hot takes with Coach Tan. Now that's just my opinion. They go, they go play and they win. I'm gonna be happy for whoever wins. Like yeah, I feel you. you know, <laughs> that's good, man. So I mean, you guys, you guys have a huge week coming up. You got Palo Verde Magnet on Tuesday, and you got Push Ridge on Thursday. How do you prepare your kids for a week like that? Because that's huge, man. I gave them the weekend off. I love it, man. That's great. Go, go be a kid. We could do what our motto has been um, since the day Palo Verde beat Push Ridges. We control our own destiny. We sweep the table. You know, I'll say this. Since I came back to Tucson, I haven't lost the 3A South game. I don't plan to anytime soon. That's good you don't plan to. <laughs> um, I, I, I think we just, like I said, I'm the one that gets – our program in trouble our kids don't really fall into rankings uh you know which is weird they might try to look at their stats but they don't really they just want to play basketball and they want to dominate neighborhood school where their friends go the guys they see during the summer or that they went to grammar school with you know some of them like Tejan has family at Palo Verde you know it's a good family rivalry his grandma's been there for 15, 20 years working. So those games, they take personal. I don't have to give them no rah-rah speech or anything. Focus on talking because, again, I'm the I'm Don King of my team. <laughs> I got to get them – I, I got to get college coaches to take notice. I got to get other coaches to talk to college – you know, I'll tell you, I, I have so much respect for Valley Christian's coach because last year we had a kid, uh, Brock Jackson, who was a stud among studs, um, decided not to play college basketball for whatever reason. But uh, when we played Valley Christian, he played well. And that coach has a player that used to play for him. That's the head coach at uh, uh, Purdue Northwest. It's a Division II school. And, you know, me and the coach have got a pretty good relationship now. Um, but it's because I promote my players regularly. Pissed me off last year when I had 12 unsigned seniors playing on my club team because their college coach, I mean, their high school coaches didn't give an effort for them going to college. And what really made me mad was South Point finished the year before, finished in the final four last year, and their top four players didn't have anywhere to go at the end of the season last year because their coach retired and just 
on with the kids. Mm. And so yeah, I'll be players. You want to play college basketball, there's a college, there's a college for you. You got to decide is what you want to study more important than you playing? And is it about what level you're playing at or you actually being able to play? And it's the same speech I get to my JV guys, especially juniors that have to play JV or they split time between both. You know, everybody wants to look good and be on varsity or go division one. I, I want to go somewhere where I'm going to play. Exactly, man. And there's so many kids in the small ball scene. They're like, I'm a D1 kid. And it's like, hey, man, you're at the level that's recruiting. You just got to take what you can get and you just got to be where you're at, you know? There's, there's no Division One players in Tucson. I love it. It's just what it is. I tell you, the best player in Tucson is Dylan Baker by far. It's not even close. Like, it's not remotely close. And he's not a Division One player yet. I think he could be down the line, maybe red shirt, maybe go to Juco. Um, he has some skills that are division one level, but he has some deficiencies that are not. But he's my favorite player to watch play because he plays the game with his mind and then he's athletic like nobody knows because of the way they have to play at South Point. But he's able to adjust his game to that and then come to Apex and jump over six foot nine guys and dunk the ball, mm. you know? And so, but he's not a division one player by my, by, now there's a, there might be a school that say, Hey, I like his upside. Let's take a chance on him. Let's build, you know, but there's talent in Tucson. There's enough players to go play college basketball. Right. Most of them are apex kids, but you know, <laughs> so coach tell us about apex man like what's apex i know it's like your club program right it, it so it's not my it's Derek hersher who his son is mal hersher the six nine kid that was at south point okay gotcha um I, i'll say this i've been a part of a lot of club programs mac Irvin fire um chicago demons uh Kryptonite, which was my program. I, I come here, I've been a part of Spartans. Um, we'll talk about a program I, I wasn't a part of, but I, I started to go to like RHJ. I went and worked with um, Apex, not ever have met Derek, not ever had met Bill, not ever had met Sam because, um, and when I say this, that doesn't mean they need funding but they're not doing it as a business mm. or as a second job, as a hustle. They're strictly about the kids. Right. You know, it's not about, you know, and I'll tell you another program that's like that, which is the Spartans. But what, what made Apex more different to me was the, the focus on skill development, mm. which I get paid to train professionals, division one players, elite high school players all, all year round. Um, and I hate training just <laughs> as a disclaimer, but <laughs> I like to focus on developing the, the top four players on South Point are Apex kids. The top four player, top three players on Tucson High are Apex kids. Those are the top three team. I didn't name us yet. And then you have us, which I took my whole JV team and made the 16U team over at Apex last year. And we're the top team in our region. Right. And so the work that they're doing and put in, putting in 
is about the game. It's about growing the game. It's not about, you know, let's get as many, because even now, which we're getting flooded with kids, who we want to play for Apex. You know, we we're we want to stay small, would have the opportunity to have. I mean, we travel Kentucky, Atlanta, Arkansas, Missouri, Idaho, Washington, California. Last All year. Over, like, man. Yeah. But it was not about it wasn't about um just getting money from parents and going places. It was about seeing basketball in different regions. You know, Jake's not afraid to go against anybody. We've played against mean streets of Chicago and team takeover and all these highly ranked teams whether, and, and competed at that level, not just showed up. I, I think they were in the top four or the championship of almost every tournament we went to. Team, just most of the guys that are that I just named, you know, they were champions or top four winning bracket almost every tournament that they played in. Right. So for Apex is 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 more about building and building Tucson basketball up. And I, you know, when me and Derek talked and I, you know, I was deciding which way to go, I had a chance to go do the RHJ thing. And um, I'm glad I didn't nothing against coach, nothing against coach hood, because I think he does a great job. Nothing against Reed Broderick, who is, you know, one of my best friends and, and a guy who coached with me at Catalina. Um, but they had other people that were part of it. I just didn't agree. Our philosophies didn't match. Right. And it showed because of the things that transpired over the summer um, and their actions. And so it was a good decision for me personally. But with Apex, I've watched Derek, you know, if a kid couldn't afford to, to take a trip with us, it's paid. He got a scholarship, you know, 15, 20 kids you know, get airline tickets to go play somewhere they've never been or they never have an opportunity to go play. And him not going to the program, paying himself back, but just taking taking a loss, which was really a win because you changed that kid's life. Right, for sure. It, it, again, it shows, look at South Point, look at Buena, look at Sabino, look at Tucson High. Their front court is apex. It shows those experiences doesn't mean everybody has to be a Dylan Baker or Weston Haybig. So, I, I, I mean, I think those experiences, they translate to being prepared. Yep. One thing I tell my players, you're never going to go to college and a college coach says, what the hell your high school coach teach you? Right. That's the number one thing I hear every time I walk into a college practice is you don't know. I mean, kids don't know, don't know what a triple threat is or how right. to rip or <laughs> Pivots, reverse pivots, you know. Yeah. So I just think Apex is, you know, they, they just purchased a new floor. That, you know, they took a concrete church floor and they turned it into a, a, a state-of-the-art wood floor. So that they scholarship kids. They, can, they don't turn away kids. There's personal training you can get. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm almost jealous of how organized Derek is because he's seven, eight months I had our summer schedule in December. You know, he's seven, eight months in front of the rest of the pack. <laughs> Why he's working a full-time job, getting college, a daughter. So it's like, those are the type of people for me, I want to be around. Right. And so for our coaching culture that we have, 
it works. And so it, it, it brings out the and Tucson is responding to it because every day we get nine or 10 inquiries. Our kid wants to leave this program to come here and we don't want to be those guys. We're not going out recruiting guys, asking them to come yeah. play for us. But naturally when they see the stuff that's going on, they gravitate to it. The product kind of speaks for itself. And one of the I've, things that I noticed, cause I was checking out the apex athletics page on Instagram. I love, it wasn't just skill development. It was real specific things that you don't see a lot of guards working on. It's like footwork, it's drops, it's hip swivels. It's all those different things that really, in my opinion, take a guard to a whole nother level. So that kind of stuff, man, that's where we started to see our guards really take a, take another like level when they started to work on their footwork with their, cause not just, you know, you can dribble with your right and your left, but do you have the footwork to be shifty yeah. without even trying to do like a big crossover, you know? Well, I, you know, and I tell my players and they get tired of me because, you know, they know I train pros and it's detailed to a T where a kid like Weston last year, who's probably the fastest kid in, in 3A, probably the fastest kid in Tucson. It was one speed straight mm. running, running into the wall or stop and shoot a three. Now it's change of direction, change of speed. Yep. change it change of speed explode you know big steps when you go to the basket don't just go and jump off two feet into a guy and I, we call them whoop de woos where you just move the ball and try to flip it over the <laughs> side the kids here will tell you even like the kid jacob rice that played at valley christian i reach out to him as much as i can because he hasn't been recruited he's being recruited but he hasn't selected a college yet right anytime to work out come here you need help finding a college. I, I, I tweet them for him to go to Judson where I went and because they were recruiting them. Once I found out they were recruiting them, you know, I, I talked to the coach. I'm like, get that kid, get that kid. And so I'm pushing kids all over the country. You know, I sent a kid to Washington. Somebody helped me do mine. You know, I chased basketball for a long time before I realized, you know, my calling was in coaching. You know, I thought the NBA is going to come one day or, you know, a bigger contract overseas. And eventually I realized that that wasn't my purpose. It was right. for me to coach and, you know, help develop. As much as I hate training, I do it because if I don't, there'll be a lack of skilled kids around me. And if I'm a part of the problem, I can't complain. And as you say, give my hot takes because <laughs> I'm not being part of the solution. So. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's, we always say this, that, uh, coaches get way too much credit when they win and players, you know, just like players go out there and win games, you know, and if you have kids that are, that can play, you got kids that can ball out, they're going to go out there and they're going to win you a lot of games. And a lot of that is made in the summer, you know, it's made with grinding in the gym when nobody else is watching. So I think it's super cool. You do that, man. Yeah. Like I, and I live by this, my high school coach taught me this. If we lose a game between one and five points, it's my fault because I should have been able to make an adjustment somewhere in the game to make up for those five points. Six to anything else to give the effort that was needed to be in this. Because this is, and, and, and I, for us, this is your team. I'm the guy that gets yelled at if something goes wrong, but I can give you everything I have in me, but you guys have to make the decision to, to put forth the effort and go work because this is your legacy you're leaving, not mine. My basketball legacy is in stone. 
and try to say how oh, I'm the reason you win it. No, I, I look at I was blessed to walk in the gym and have Weston Hey Big, and to have Travis catch on, you know, and there's some other kids, you know, that are around the city that have done well this year that came to the gym because they know, you know, and I charge for training, but there's days where it's just, just come to the gym and get work. If you can't afford it today, just come get the work. Just don't come one day and don't come the rest of the week because right. then I, you don't take it serious enough for me not to charge. Yeah, for sure. But again, I, like I said, at the end of the game, I think I overcoached us against them last year because I knew I had the best player and I just wanted him to dominate the whole game and it, it didn't work out the way I thought it. I seen it in my mind. Right. And the minute the game was over, I knew it was on me. Coach, you got any more hot takes before we get out of here? Um, no, I, this was, I, I would love to see, um, you know, I don't want to play Valley Christian or Coolidge in the first round. I don't mind. Don't get me wrong. But it'd be so much better to see them at a college stadium. It'd be fun. You know, then that kid Caleb, the kid Grant, West and Travis. Um, the, what's the kid that shoots for you guys? Uh, Chino. Yeah. I, I like him. <laughs> yeah, he's a smooth um, kid, man. He's a good player. Those kids on that level where college coaches are like, oh, you know, that brings that spotlight because most people that come to Arizona don't think basketball if it's not prep, and especially 3A, 2A, 1A. So to start trying to grow that and put them on that level where at least somebody can take notice and you get the best kids out there. That's the problem I have with the rankings mm. is you're hiding the talent. Right. So I, I appreciate you, coach. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for hopping fun. You know, I'm going to have to have, have to have you on again, man. Yeah, after the season. <laughs> See if any of my predictions came true. <laughs> hey, it's been so fun, man. We're going to have to have you on again. Thank you guys for tuning in and supporting the Arizona Small Ball Podcast. 